You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Looking at college basketball, we're going to talk a lot of McNeese here in this first segment. We're also going to touch on the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and the Fighting Tigers of LSU. My producer and co-host is the one and only Mr. James Mesh. James, good afternoon. Happy Friday. How are you? Doing good, Matt. How about you? Uh, it's Friday. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is It is two hours away from my weekend, and I cannot wait. We are also joined in studio by... The one and only, the legend, Mr. Jimmy G from LC, a.k.a. Jim Gazzolo. You just heard him for the last two hours guest hosting on the Jordy Holtberg Show. Jim, what's going on, sir? How are you? Not much. It's, I cover McNeese. Not much. <laughs> so let's let's start there <laughs> since you just ripped the Band-Aid right off. We'll start with the women's team you know, falling, oh. falling to Lamar last night by the final score of 79 to 48. This was the second 20 plus point defeat that the Cowgirls had against Lamar this season. You know, looking at the matchup last night, just where where did it go wrong? Tip off? Well, <laughs> sometimes that happens. We we have McNeese women have a tendency to have one bad quarter uh and then try to make it up. They had one bad quarter in the second and they couldn't make it up. It's uh that was about as bad. They had been playing better, so that was a about a demoralizing performance, I thought. They had no energy whatsoever. Um, that was surprising. They usually played with a lot of passion. They didn't. Uh, it just it was just flat. It was ugly. They were down early. They had no inside defense. They had no offensive rhythm. Missed 12 free throws. Shot two for, I think it was two for 14 uh, from the field from beyond the arc. Uh, you're not going to win games that way. And they had their customary 17, 18 turnovers. Yeah, you know, when you shoot 14% from, from downtown, that's just that's not a good no. start for, no. for things. And then, like you mentioned, they got out-rebounded 42-24, to 24, turned the ball over 17 times. He's just Adding those recipes together just doesn't. The, they have been able to overcome the last couple of weeks the turnovers. They're always around 18, 19 turnovers. But that's a lot of that, – that's a 40-possession po, uh, possibility. And you cannot, if you play a good team, and not all teams in the Southland are good teams, but when you play the better teams in the Southland Conference, you can't give up that many possessions and, and hope to win. And then looking at the men's side of things. Oh, must Jim. we? <laughs> a game losing streak. They're now at 5-18 and 18 on the season. Yes. They had the game won last night. Well, that's a tradition. This is becoming a tradition now. And then they got outscored, what would you say, 9-2? to 9-2 to in minute? the final minute, 6. Uh, had an 11-point lead with 10 minutes to go. In the eight games that they have lost in a row, which is the longest losing streak since 2017, in those games they have led inside of 10 minutes seven times. They have led inside of five minutes uh, four times. And if I'm not mistaken, every game they have been within four points 
with five minutes left. Oh, man. And they cannot – they have – they do. They're a baseball team without a closer. They cannot close games. So if, if you're the coaching staff, what's what's the message at that point? Because clearly the problem is that they're struggling to close games. The, the 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 question I ask because it's always comes down to if you watch the Southland Conference basketball as I have for years, it comes down to a make the make a a guard big guard at the rim make a play win a game. Uh, the kid from Nichols Huffman's made 14 of the last 16 points for Nichols to win the game over McNeese. Black from Northwestern State made 12 points down the stretch. McNeese doesn't have that. They played a game the other day where they're, they're within two points. Four times down the court, they have a chance to take the lead, tie or take the lead. Four different players brought the ball in. Four different players had a turnover. There's no alpha male in the room that takes the game over. There's no true point guard, and that is what kills them down the stretch. And then, you know, look ahead Saturday. They're going to travel to Texas A&M Commerce. And, you know, you played them just a few short weeks ago, and that one went down to the wire, an 82-80 ball game. In overtime, and that's another game where they had opportunities to win. They had a 15-point lead in that game at home. You know, this this was the game that turned it off. They were 2-0 in the league. They got a huge crowd, 15-point lead at halftime, or a 15-point lead late in the first half. And they end up having to make a basket just to send it into overtime. They don't have; they have never had the ability to stretch leads out. They get big leads, and teams can work themselves back in if they pressure them and just continue to make shots. Because the McNeese will put a group of players on the floor at some point in time that cannot score points. They they just don't have enough talent, perimeter wise, especially. They don't have an inside game. They're playing center with a six three and a half, six four and a half center, Christian Shoemate. Uh, he's their best player, but he gets he found out again last night with a minute left. You know, looking at the you, you brought up Christian Shoemate, and, and there's no doubt that he is the best player for the Cowboys. Looking at the final eight games, Jim, four of them are at home. You've got UNO twice down that stretch. You've got Southeastern twice down that stretch. What has to happen, in, in your opinion? in these final eight games for you to feel somewhat good about the future of this basketball program? Nothing. And I'm being serious. There's nothing they can do. They have to make the tournament for this year. You cannot host this tournament for the first year and not have you and not be in it. So they have to beat New Orleans because that is their only way right now I see to getting both above New Orleans and Lamar they have to win four of these games, I think, including sweeping New Orleans, and that would get them in the tournament at least. Um, moving forward, though, they, they have to recruit better. They have to figure that out, and they have to get a point guard. They had a kid coming from Southern Miss who hasn't played this year because he's been injured. He was supposed to be the point guard. When he did not play, they, they really just don't have anybody. You know, the other day, they're, they're down two points with four seconds left. They have the basketball out on their own, underneath their own basket. You think, hey, are they going to go for a three or are they going to try to tie it up? They can't inbound the ball. It was the third time in the game they couldn't inbound the ball. So, so is that the reason why Trey English has kind of been running the, yeah. the offense? Because he, he, at least from my vantage point, he seems better as kind of a an off ball two guard. He is. You have you have four off guards playing and a center, uh, four off guards and a forward essentially playing. You do not have a true guy, so they they're easily pressured. But really, is there's nobody taking control and getting the basketball to the right people. They all look for their own shot, 
because they're all shooting guards. And then, you know, going back to the women for, for a little bit longer, last night was, was a struggle, but Lynn Kennedy has done some good things this season yeah. to, to give a, a sense that they are competing in the Southland Conference this year. Yeah, they're, they're, you have a feel that they're in the right direction. Yep. Now, the difference is Lynn Kennedy took over a program that was winning five games. John Aiken took over a program from his mentor, Heath Schwoyer, that had won, that was, I think, 15 and 16. So McNeese was actually on that upper trajectory before the Hurricanes, before John Aiken, whereas they weren't in women's basketball. So you feel like the women are on the right path, the men are kind of lost in the weeds. How much do you think the Hurricanes played into this this struggle that both programs are kind of in right now? Well, I, I said on, on August 27th, 26, 2020, the day after the hurricane, McNeese State was the worst Division One program in all sports and all athletics in the country. They had no facilities. They had no housing for their players. They had no athletic director. Um, they had no scoreboard. They had no. They couldn't have played night football. Um, but the real thing was getting kids to see, I'm going to spend the next four years of my college life, my prime youth, in a place that was desolate. I, and they literally had no housing. Um, you had no – half the stores weren't open. They're just now opening up now. So you have a completely different city than you did two years ago. The Legacy Center, they were back at Burton Coliseum, which is a miserable coliseum. Uh, so that – it it you couldn't get anybody here then. Um, now, though, you back in the Legacy Center. You have the biggest crowds. You still even, – even during the hurricane times and, and playing noon football games – they outdrew the rest of the Southland Conference. So you have a fan base that is willing to watch. They just got to get the right pieces in place. Now, one, one topic that I, that I know you are a big fan of, we'll, we'll talk about baseball now for a moment since the season's getting ready to get underway. Uh, McNeese picked to win the Southland this year. Yeah. Justin Hill's doing a lot of good things over in Lake Charles. Baseball, softball are, are, very, are, are the top, programs on campus. Uh, Justin Hill's done a great job of turning the program around into a program that receives a lot of players, but also gets gets quality teams to come in. Creighton's coming in this year. Uh, he's had, he had Midwestern teams come here and play. Same thing with softball is they become a destination for people to come play. Softball especially has done it uh, to fan bases that want to come in and, and sell Lake Charles. They are two premier programs. The softball team's ranked 42nd in the country by D1 softball. Um, they've learned a lot. Those two programs, and I'll say this, football the same, and he swear to his credit, have looked at the old McNeese would say, we don't care what Lafayette did. UL did their own thing. We're never going to follow them. These guys have said, hey, let's use them as the blueprint to where we want to go. Never mind the rivalry that's there and exists. Yeah, we were better than them 20 years ago, but we're not now. So let's see how they did it. Let's follow their path. Yep, absolutely. Now, going to MLB, I know you're a big White Sox fan. What do the White Sox do this year? We're going to stick with the Southland Conference. Oh, I, I, okay. I, in all honesty, I don't know what the White Sox have done in the offseason. Um, oh, yes, I do. We hired a, a, a pitcher that probably won't be able to pitch this year because he has domestic issues. Um, we didn't solve second base. 
Oh, and y'all let Jose Abreu come to the Houston Astros. And we let Jose. I'm okay with that, actually. If they if they believe Eloy Jimenez is better, you got to get the kids in. I loved Jose Abreu, but we weren't winning with him. Um, but they didn't address the issues he brought up by leaving either. Last question I got for you. If you were Mickey Loomis, pick number 29, who are you taking? Uh, I would say I'm taking what a position. Are you I, I, am, I am probably going to agree with your partner over there, Mr. Mesh, and say I want somebody that could rush the passer because I think I'm losing that guy. Uh, and I think that I can't impact a quarterback in that spot. But So let me try to get somebody who can impact the quarterback position from the other side. It's just such an unfun pick. It is. I get I, it. I, it's I, it's I a position it of need, but it's not sexy. Then, then, it's then, not the splash How about pick. wide receiver then? Ah, you see, now now you speak in my language, Jim Gazzolo. I, I, I would say wide receiver would not bother me, except that I don't know who can get him the football. <laughs> Jim, appreciate you taking the time. Hopefully, right. uh, you know, McNeese doesn't run you into the ground. Ah, Softball is a week away. Baseball is two weeks away. We'll be fine. Go Cowboys. <laughs> All right. We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time. When we return, we'll get to the top stories, and we do a deep dive at 430 into LSU baseball with our guy Ben Upton right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Join us for a day of golf and giving at the game's charity golf scramble benefiting Redbird Ministries. Hit the link at Farm Alley while supporting a great cause. All proceeds from this tournament will go towards Redbird Ministries' mission of serving families who have been given the extraordinary cross to carry the loss of a child. In addition to 18 holes of golf, the day will include prizes, food, drinks, and a great day with the staff at the game. So gather your friends and colleagues for a fun day on the course while making a difference in the lives of those in need. Get your foursome together and register now at 1037thegame.com, and together we can make a difference. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 419, almost 420. Let's get to some top stories of the day. We will start in the NBA. Kyrie Irving has asked to be traded before Thursday's trade deadline. Which is not surprising. There was always a feeling that that Kyrie wasn't happy in Brooklyn and wanted to move on. My question, though is this. Why would you wait to notify the team that you want to be traded until six days before the deadline? That's like telling somebody, hey bud, need you to write a thousand page paper by the end of the week. It's nearly impossible. Now, will somebody probably strike a deal for Kyrie? Yes. I wouldn't be surprised if the Dallas Mavericks acquired him. Uh, They want somebody to line up on the side of Luka, and don't be surprised. He's got a relationship with Jason Kidd. It, It makes sense. Also, wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers wouldn't get him, because 
Apparently, Kyrie and LeBron have just apologized to each other because ever since they broke up, it's been horrible for both of them. So, I, it, it's just, why, would, why wouldn't you have that conversation with your front office two weeks ago? A week ago. Hey guys, deadline's coming up. I'm not really happy here. Can you try to trade me? It's funny. You talked about that. I had seen a meme a little earlier. It says, Le GM, after, after watching the Celtics uh, kick the Nets' ass. <laughs> Yo, Kai, been a minute. Tough game tonight. You almost had it. Give me a call. Let's chat. Yeah, y'all, y'all broke that dude. Y'all broke Kyrie's spirits in Brooklyn. Now he wants out. How many teams is that now? For for Mr. Irving, this let's will, see. This he, will, he's currently on. This is his third team because he was drafted by the Cavs. Cavs got, got traded to the Celtics. Celtics then got Nets. Went to the Nets, and so the team that he gets traded to will be his fourth. Correct. Yikes! It's like James Harden, dude's just bouncing around from team to team. Harden's on his fourth. Correct. Oof, that's that's not a good look. LeBron's on his fourth. Yeah. And he's made five trips. Technically not. <laughs> LeBron's technically on his third. He went to Cleveland twice. Yeah, I, I guess you could say LeBron's that. technically on his third team, which is okay. It was two different eras of Cavs basketball. That That's very true. That is very true. Uh, God, the, the first era, LeBron was all they had. Other than curly-headed Air, Anderson Verjao. Oh, Anderson Verjao. I mean, <laughs> you know, Alabama, Nick Nick Saban, he finds ways. It, it, it blows my mind. He finds ways to stay relevant. Anytime Nick Saban is about to fall out of the news cycle. He finds a way to get back in. He puts himself back in it. Because nobody expected Nick Saban to hire a 30-year-old offensive coordinator. But he did. He's hired Notre Dame offensive coordinator Tommy Reese to run the Crimson Tide offense. The former quarterback for the Irish officially accepted Nick Saban's offer on Friday. And Tommy Reese is referred to as one of the bright young minds in the sport. He's been the offensive coordinator for the Irish for the past three seasons. So it took Nick Saban eight days to find Bill O'Brien's replacement. That's impressive. It's well done if, if you're Nick Saban. Uh, give us a call on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. So yesterday, a report came out about Bengals running back Joe Mixon. There was a warrant issued for his arrest for, quote, menacing. Yeah, yeah, that was just menacing. I'm like, dang. He allegedly pointed a gun at somebody the day before the Bengals played the Bills. Well, James, you want the latest development in that story? The charges were dropped. Magical. A prosecutor told the judge, we need additional investigation before we would like to move forward with this case. Hmm. That smells fishy. I... <laughs> I've got many theories as, as to what could have happened there. And one of them is that the Cincinnati Bengals made a phone call and said, Look, guys, we don't have to do this. 
We'll punish him internally. Like, we could just... It's okay. We, 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 we can work this out. There's something we could do. That's probably the most likely. Let's not get hostile. Right, right, right. Like, let's let's settle down. We we know this is the second time he's been in trouble because the first time he beat a woman in a coffee shop and it was all caught on camera. Smart guy. And and now, you know, he, he's pointing guns at people and threatening them. And, you know, it's it, it's cool. We'll we'll figure it out. Just just settle down. Now the the question becomes, where does this advance? Do the charges reappear after they investigate it further? Or is it just one of those things where superstar athlete gets his bad publicity, just swept under the rug and moved on? Interesting to see what's going to happen there. Because I had a conversation with somebody last night about these exact charges, and I could have sworn, James, that Joe Mixon's career was over. Over. Because, look, my my biggest thing is, you know, your first incident, was it bad? Absolutely. But, you know, you learn from it, you move on, whatever. The second time? I, I can't help you. I can't help you. Like, you either learned your lesson or it's a choice. And if you're choosing, I, I can't help you. So when, when this second instance happened, I really thought that, you know, the Bengals were going to release him and they were, they were going to be done and whatever. He's too good and too big a part of that team for them to just release him. And you want to know why I, I thought that? I literally saw a Bengals reporter post on Twitter last night. The Bengals would save this much money against the cap if they released Mixon before this date. So somebody was discussing it. They're just kind of throwing it out there like, hey, just in case you're wondering. Just in case y'all decide to move on. Just remember, you do save a good bit of money. <laughs> right. right. Uh, look, We'll talk about the Raging Cajuns getting a huge... 82 to 63 win over Texas State last night. Greg Williams Jr. is just a cheat code. I mean, it's just, it's not even fair. Uh, we'll talk about the women getting a big win as well in their matchup with Troy tomorrow and much more. One last top story I want to get to before we move on to college baseball. James, there was a women's college basketball game played last night between Duke and Florida State. Now, you're very familiar with the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. Kara Lawson, she spent some time on the Boston Celtics staff before she was hired by Duke. So, the final score, Duke ended up losing 70-57 to to the Seminoles. And in the first half, Duke shot 7 for 34 from the field. Not good. But the entire first half, according to Lawson, her players were complaining that the ball didn't feel right. That the ball felt heavy. Interesting. Upon further investigation, they played the first half with a men's ball. (laughs) Now look, some people might say, oh, that's not a big deal. No, it is. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. That ball is one inch bigger. If you try going from a 29 and a half to a 27 and a half, 
There's well, a big difference. Yeah, it, it's a massive difference. That completely changed the arc and the trajectory of the ball. It's a one-inch bigger circumference and two ounces heavier. Now, two ounces heavier doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're pushing it to put it in a basket... When you're launching it with that's your a lot in your body. You, it's you can a feel lot. It. And it completely throws off your rhythm, and it completely throws off the way you dribble and everything else. That That is, that is a bad look for the ACC to not catch what happened. And Carol Lawson was not very happy following the loss. I have a quote here. It says, this would have never happened in a men's game. It just simply wouldn't have happened. This is embarrassing for our sport. To have a game that at the end of the season could be the difference between a title, my players don't deserve that and neither do their players. It's a complete failure by everyone involved. And it's gotten to the point now, James, where the according to the ACC, they said following the thorough and objective review process, there was no evidence found to support this claim. So the ACC, of course they're not going to admit that they were wrong. But they are refusing to state that that is indeed what happened, that they were using a men's ball. But a Duke assistant coach went to the scores table where the ball was at the half, and it was a men, it was a 29.5, according to them. Now, according to Florida State and the ACC, that was not the case. So it's, it's, it's their word against theirs, and it's never going to get figured out. But if that's the case, I mean, that's just a terrible situation for the ACC to have put themselves in. Let's go to the game hotline real quick before we take a timeout. David, what's going on? Oh, not much. So you basically, you, you just answered the question I was about to ask, which was, um, what was the ACC's comment on this? And um, what was Florida State's um, take on this also? Because, you, you know, the two you mentioned, there's a big difference in the basketball. There's a big difference in the weight, the field, the size. Um, how did the referees not catch this? That's a, it's a fantastic question. I mean, yeah. I, I, just holding it, you can tell that there's a difference. Exactly, exactly. And you understand why. Absolutely. You know, but that is just, that's crazy to play an entire half with the basketball, a men's basketball in a, in a ladies' game is just, and the referees to not catch it is, okay, you, you're not calling games for the rest of the season. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. No, I, I don't disagree with you. I really don't. Have a good one. Thank you, man. You too. Yeah, I have another quote. It says, We concluded through our own investigation that it was a men's ball. However, the conference and Florida State is saying that it wasn't. Mm. Okay. Well, very conflicting. Very conflicting. Very odd. Is the conference in Florida State trying to say, We know we were wrong, but we're not going to openly admit that we were wrong? That's what that feels like. Ben Upton joins us next to dive deep into LSU baseball right here on The Game. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up. It's a goner. Your home for the 
LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. In your Friday fun show, one guest down, three guests to go. God, the weekend is just right there, James. I gotta have crawfish at some point this weekend. It, it just—it's gonna have to happen. Hit us up on the game hotline three three seven seven zero six zero one one one. Let's talk LSU baseball now. The unanimous preseason number one. Tons of talent. Dylan Cruz gonna be the top pick in the MLB draft more than likely, and also probably the best freshman season anyone has ever seen. Now joining the Tigers at third base, Ben Upton, host of eleven point seven, joins us here. On the game hotline, Ben. Happy Friday to you, sir. How are you? Hey, happy Friday, guys. I'm doing well. It's two weeks left. Oh, it's and it, and it can't come fast enough, man. It's just I, I I drove by UL Stadium the other day and and they were having batting practice and man, just the the sound of a metal bat hitting the ball. It's just it's so good. Oh, it's the best sound. I mean, between that and then just the ball popping in a glove. Oh yeah! Everybody's on the line throwing, they're playing catch. Those are my two favorite sounds. Plus, we forget that the, uh, you know, the metal cleats on the concrete. Something about that sound I love. Yeah, metal cleats on concrete is is a good sound. It, it just means that you know that you're trying to get to the field and and baseballs baseballs coming and it's good. So you know, let's look at this Tigers team. Crazy high expectations with the unanimous number one. You've got a lot of guys back from last year on the pitching mound. You know, you look at Ty Floyd and Blake Money and Sam Dutton, just as a few guys coming back from last year. Trey Morgan, Cade Beloso, Gavin Duga, Dylan Cruz, obviously Jordan Thompson, Braden Schobert. And then you brought in big names like Thatcher Hurd, Tommy White, Christian Little. Everywhere you look, Ben, this team is stacked up and down for 2023. Yeah, and I think I said this maybe on your show last week. Um, this is the best best team on paper that we've ever seen, at least in like the super regional era. Uh, I mean, you take a team that won forty games last year, and then you add some pieces that are like all American caliber. Um, and it, this could be a fifty, fifty-two, maybe even fifty-five win team this year after in the Omaha, which is which is incredible. Now, I will say, if there is one thing that that LSU needs to look out for is like they have no bye weeks and during the conference play. I mean, this, this conference from top to bottom is very, very good and they're not going to have anybody that they, that shows up or that they play on a weekend that they can just sleepwalk through. Like they still have to be prepared to play every week. Let's look at each position group and kind of break it down a little bit. Now this is the potential starting rotation. This is what a lot of people believe that it will be. Paul Skeen's, will be your Friday night guy, Thatcher Hurd, Ty Floyd, Grant Taylor, and then Christian Little rounding it out. Just tons of great arm talent in that group. You saw Ty Floyd and Grant Taylor last year for the Tigers. Thatcher Hurd comes in. Paul Skeens comes in. You bring in Christian Little from Vanderbilt. For a five-pitcher rotation, I haven't seen one better than this in a while. Yeah, you have to go back to like those early 2000 Rice Owls teams where they had three of the ter- top five picks overall. Um, I'll tell you this. I-, I think Christian Little, he's got a lot of potential to be the Sunday guy or maybe even the Saturday guy. Um, and he- He's a guy that came into college at-, at Vanderbilt with tons of upside, tons of potential, um, and he's shown signs of it. It's just the consistency um, that he's been lacking in his college career, but 
I like him a lot. Now, I think it's a foregone conclusion that Paul Skeens is going to be your Friday guy each and every weekend. Um, his, his stuff is off the charts. Um, it, it's hard to replicate what he does. And on top of that, he's probably going to be hitting in the middle of the order, too. So, um, I don't know. I mean, out of the five-man rotation, number one for me is set with schemes. And then two through five, I think, can can kind of mix and match a little bit, um, depending on who's throwing the ball the best. So, you know, it's interesting. You brought up Paul Skeens being kind of the two-way guy for this team. When was the last time you saw a two-way guy in college at a program like LSU? It's been a while. It has been a while. Um, now, like, A.J. Reed did it for Kentucky. Um, I mean, he was a Golden Spikes winner, I think, in 2016 or 2017. Same thing with um, uh, Brendan McKay from Louisville mm-hmm. back in 2019. Um, now, they were both just left-handed pitchers that, you know, they weren't huge strikeout. I mean, I guess they struck out a lot of hitters, but um, they didn't have as much pro potential on the mound as Skeens does, but they were both just big left-handed hitters that, that hit for power. So it's rare. Maybe once every two years you'll see a guy at a Power 5 school that's this dominant um, from both sides. And, uh, I mean, I'm excited for him this year. I think it's his golden spikes to lose, to be honest. And then looking at relief pitchers, Blake Money was a starter for the Tigers last year. Started off red hot and then just kind of fell off, battled some injuries. Uh, so now he's he's back in a role where Jay Johnson feels like he can strive as a relief pitcher with Sam Dutton, Bryce Collins, Riley Cooper, Garrett Edwards. What are your thoughts on the the bullpen for the Tigers? Yeah, the bullpen just comes down to, like, can they get the big outs and the big games? Because there's going to be a lot of games that LSU plays this year where it's going to be – you know, six, seven, eight run lead. Um, starter goes six, and then you got to fill out the last three innings. Um, but when it, I mean, you know this just as well as I do. When it comes down to May and June, there's going to be a lot of tight games, one run games, two run games. That I mean, you have to have you guys. You have to have two or three guys that you can really rely upon out of the bullpen to get outs in big situations. So uh, for me, like the regular season, it's. It's going to be more of a tryout for for the postseason for LSU. I would like to see each one of them, you know, be used in a ninth inning, just to get that feeling um, of, of getting the last out of the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, right now, I don't think there's any like set jobs out there. It, everybody's going to have to earn them throughout the regular season. And, and you know, looking at the infield, I feel like most of the infield jobs are, are kind of set for LSU. Trey Morgan probably going to be your first base guy. Gavin Dugas seems like the guy for second base. Tommy White's going to play third. And then if you go with Jordan Thompson from last year, Gavin Guidry's a good option as well, but Thompson's, you know, he, he played all last season at that spot, so he's got the the experience. I, I think the infield's set here, Ben. Yeah, the, I mean, out of the four infield positions, those five are going to play the majority of the innings. Um, now, I don't, I'm, I'm curious to see how Tommy White holds up at third base. Um, I know he's looked pretty decent over there, at least from the reports I've read. But there, there comes a difference between playing the hot corner, you know, in inner squads or taking in and out versus you know live in-game action where throw, every throw matters. Um, you know, balls are hit a little bit harder. Um, it, it's, a, it's a tough position to play in college, and you know I, I think he's definitely talented enough to do it. But you know he didn't play a single inning over there last year, so um, they might you know move him around maybe hide him in the outfield, first base, DH, 
they have to have his bat in order. But um, we'll, we'll see how third base plays out for him. Chatting with Ben Upton of 11.7 here on Crunch Time. The two spots on the field that, that feel like they have the most depth are, are catcher and the outfield. You look at the outfield, Dylan Cruz, Josh Stevenson, two superstars there. Gavin Dugas can play out there as well if you need him to. And then in right field, you have Josh Pearson and Braden Jobert. I mean, just a loaded outfield group for, for Jay Johnson this year. I mean, Jay Johnson has the easiest but the hardest job in the country this year just because, one, he's got to keep everybody happy. Um, with the transfer portal and everything, you know, you got to get that depth playing time and, you know, let them know that, you know, when they're called upon, they got to be ready and, and, and for future teams as well. Um, but having all that depth is, is amazing. Uh, at the end of the day, though, you got to make sure that um, you keep that depth for, for years moving forward. Um, so it's kind of a blessing and a curse at the same time. But um, I don't think he would trade out of the position that he's currently in. And then lastly, you know, looking at catchers, Alex Malazzo and Hayden Travinsky both split time at that position last year. And then you bring in Jared Jones and Brady Neal, two of the top freshman prospects in the country from a year ago. So, again, just another spot, like you just mentioned, where he's got the easiest yet hardest job trying to get all of these guys some valuable playing time. Yeah. Um, I don't know how he's going to do it as far as there comes a point in the season where you actually have to set your lineup. Obviously, in the beginning of the year, you can you can move pieces around, but maybe the week before conference play starts, you got to get your lineup of the guys that you, you want to move forward with for the rest of the year. Um, of course, injuries happen, and like that's why the depth is very important. Uh, you took a mid-major team, someone like a Louisiana or a Southern Miss, and you took off, you know, their starting catcher. They might be in a lot more problem. They might have a lot more problems because they don't have the the depth that LSU has. So, um, you know, there comes a point where like you got to just tell the guys be ready to come off the bench. But these are our starters, um, and you know, who knows what happens the rest of the year? The guy struggles. A guy might fill in and earn a spot, um, but it's, uh, I mean, that team, the LSU Tigers are going to be one of the best teams we've seen in a very, very long time. Cade Beloso is a guy that's interesting for me coming into 2023. He missed all of last season with an injury, but, you know, you go back to 2021, he had such a big year, was on one of the all-regional teams. He was the primary DH for the Tigers, and Sometimes he was even the starting first baseman back in 2019 and 2020. Hit 226 with three homers in 2021. And again, like I mentioned, missing the whole year last year with an injury. He looks like a guy, Ben, that could really fill the DH spot for the Tigers with a powerful bat. Yeah, I love his swing. You look at it, um, he, I've, we've been a big fan of him on our podcast since 2019 when we got started. Um, you know, he just looks like someone that's the most confident guy in the batter's box uh, across the nation. Like he, he has the look in his eye and nobody's got the stuff to beat him. Um, and his swing is, is so pretty. So, yeah, I mean, I think if there's a right-handed pitcher on the mound, he's your DH for sure. Um, we'll have to see how he hits against lefties. Um, I know he's hit them pretty well in the past, but with all the depth, it doesn't hurt to start a right-hander at DH and maybe have Beloso come in off the bench in a pinch hitter role um, towards the end of the game. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's going to definitely do damage this year for, for LSU. Ben Upton of 11.7 joining us here on Crunch Time. Ben, appreciate you as always. Let's do it again next week, my friend. Let's do it. Appreciate it. Have a good one. And there he goes, Ben Upton, host of 11.7. Next week we'll get his thoughts on the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and the McNeese Cowboys because 
College baseball first pitches in 14 days. It's right around the corner. We'll wrap up hour number one right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game is throwing you something far better than some cheap plastic beads. That's right. Score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the game's mobile app, open the app, and click on the Mardi Gras Moolah tab and you'll be on your way to winning a $500 Visa gift card. It's the game's Mardi Gras Moolah sweepstakes. Download the app, win money, and it's just that simple. And it's all from the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right, Matt. Let's talk about those Pelicans. Oh, do we have to? Uh, I feel like we can at least talk about it for a couple minutes. Oh, God. Uh, losing now oh. 10 in a row. Here's here's the synopsis. Okay. They've lost 10 straight. Yes. They have a sub-500 record. They're not very good. Those are all very true statements. I mean, they have, we'll, not, played, we'll, they have we'll, not played well. We'll dive deeper, but like I just... I saw a tweet last night that it, it hurt me as a Pelicans fan. Uh-huh. But the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? This guy's right. Everybody's talking about... It hurts, oh, but you're right. Everybody's talking about, oh, you know, when Zion comes back, it'll all be better. Will it? Are you sure? Will it? His his exact words were... B.I. Er- B. still hasn't gotten out of his funk. Well, B.I. had 26 last night. That's... It's pretty solid, but like overall as a team, no, for sure, you, you for sure, fell, you found fell bar as far behind as thirty two, and he, he he said, you know, everybody's waiting for Zion to come back. Not even Zion Williamson could save this team. He might be right. What does Zion instantly provide to this team? Sure, they shot fifty percent from the field last night. That's great, but there's just there continues to be. So much inconsistency. And one of my biggest inconsistencies that I just don't like is with Willie Green. I have praised Willie Green his entire time as the head coach of the Pelicans. But he's got this thing where he will play a guy one night. That's a good night. Never sees the floor the next night. Why? Willie Hernan Gomez didn't play at all last night. Devontae Graham didn't play at all last night. Jackson Hayes. Jackson Hayes didn't play at all last night. Garrett Temple I kind of get, but like... Yeah, dude's ancient. Why? Why not use who you have? I'm I'm wondering if it's not because maybe they're just not playing him because they're not going to be in the rotation soon. And what I mean by that, I mean... Maybe they're... You think they're getting traded? Maybe they are targets to be traded. Because we've seen this before where... They and it's it's more prevalent with stars because they're a lot more noticeable as opposed to seeing a Willie Hernan Gomez or a Devontae Graham. I'm wondering if those are players that are like we're Devontae, probably going to move on from you. Devontae Graham. Definitely feels like a guy that they're looking to move on from. Um, that that just makes a, a lot of sense in my head. But um, I, I I do agree with you when it comes to just some nights you're like, okay, well, why haven't we? Ha- why haven't we seen Willie? 
You only have so many centers, and two of them aren't playing because Correct. you're playing Larry at the five. Correct. Like that just doesn't make sense to me. And obviously, I get you know, it. You're going small ball, but like, I'm not an NBA coach, so obviously there's a reason behind it. But it's just I don't understand it from from my point of view. I just and and then you know I get that we're in the age of oh you know guys need rest and guys need weight management and that's fine whatever. But if that's the case. Don't even have them in uniform. Sit them out. List them as out on the injury report, and they don't dress. If they're dressed, I feel like they should play. That's just me. But again, 10-game losing streak, you're going to have to figure something out. You've lost your last five games at home. Tomorrow is a great opportunity to get back to your winning ways because, yes... You're only a game ahead of them now, but the Lakers aren't very good either. And please, for the love of God, do not let LeBron get his scoring record in New Orleans. Hour number one in the books. Jake Crane joins us next here on Crunch Time. You're listening to the game. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Only one hour left in the work week. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion. Houston Astros, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. And hour number one, we talked about the McNeese Cowboys, we talked some college baseball, and we talked about the NBA. Now we're going to get our guys' thoughts on Sean Payton officially signing his five-year contract with the Denver Broncos and much more live from Mobile, Alabama. It's our guy, Jake Crane. Jake, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, guys. I'm doing well. Uh, you know, appreciate y'all having me on again this week. What's uh, what, what's the Senior Bowl been like this week? Man, it, it was awesome. We actually just got back. Uh, obviously, you know, the practices are the most important part of the week, but uh, just being, that, uh, being down there, being on the field, you know, seeing the guys, you know, kind of, kind of fight through adversity of not having a lot of chemistry when it comes down to, you know, ball handling, uh, t- timing on routes and things like that. But some guys really stood out. And uh, Jim Nagy and them do such an unbelievable job there uh, at, at the Senior Bowl. It's, it's always a uh, pleasure to go down to Mobile and be able to cover it. Well, let's get into it. Who, uh, who stood out in, in your eyes this week in Mobile? Hey, you know, a couple DBs that really stood out. I thought Darius Rush from South Carolina and Riley Moss uh, looked really good uh, in one-on-ones and seven-on-seven. They were communicating. Uh, Darius Rush is a guy that can do multiple things. The Skinner kid from Boise State is such an interesting prospect. I mean, he's about six foot five and a half, six foot six, two twenty-five, but he looks like he's one eighty-five. He could play at two sixty-five and and you know just not even look abnormal. Uh, when it comes down to width, his frame can hold so much. Uh, Derek Hall from Auburn, uh, I thought he made himself a lot of money this week. Uh, what he did in one-on-ones and showing the versatility of his pass rush against quality offensive linemen. I mean, you had guys from Michigan there. Uh, you had guys from all over the country, uh, some of the top programs in the country. So uh, there are a lot of guys that, that kind of raised their profile. The Tyson Badgett kid uh, from Shepard, the quarterback, the ball just it jumps out of his hand. 
uh, but he's also able to throw the change up. I was impressed with him. Uh, so there was a lot of good, uh, a lot of good competition as well. You know, one guy that we have seen rise up the, the ranks this week over in Mobile was Tulane running back Tajay Spears. Yeah. You know, we, we, you've seen a lot of people say, you know, third, fourth round draft pick. And, you know, some people have said, oh, the, well, the Saints should get him and keep him in New Orleans. But I don't know, Jake. He, he rose up the, the draft boards this week. The Saints might not be able to get him in the third or fourth round anymore. Yeah, again, you know, we got the chance to interview Tajay actually uh, before the first practice. And, you know, just talking to him kind of about his background and where he came from and, and why he was doing this, you can see really the passion in him if you're on field level. The way he runs, it just sounds heavy when he's coming towards you. Uh, but he's got great instinct and vision. He's very light on his feet. But I think one thing, or excuse me, two things that made him a lot of money this week, he showed a lot of value as a pass protector, which a guy at his size, sometimes they worry about that. He was able to hold his own uh, against linebackers in one-on-ones, but his, also his ability to get out in routes and catch the ball. He, he runs on, his, on the balls of his feet, uh, which makes him really agile. He never really gets caught flat-footed. He's able to work in and out on option routes and kind of read leverage and do a good job of being able to get in and out uh, of a break. So just looking like a complete back, uh, I thought he really impressed and made himself a lot of money. And, uh, yeah, I'd be shocked if he fell that far. It's interesting you know, watching him and Chase Brown, Chase didn't have a fantastic week, but, man, he's unbelievable with the ball in his hands. Uh, he knows how to get north and south, but he's really, really nice lateral. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, he's a guy that you know, may have dropped a few passes, uh, but did look pretty decent in pass pros. So, uh, again, there were some pretty good backs there this weekend. What were your thoughts? What were your thoughts on the Pro Bowl games last night with dodgeball and, and things like that? I mean, why? why look, if Tyler Huntley's making the Pro Bowl, uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to take it serious. I feel like we should treat it now like the All-American, you know, announcement. You just congrats. You're a Pro Bowler. You know, here's your plaque and whatever incentive you have money-wise, and that's it. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, it's just become kind of a joke in my opinion. So I, I'm just, I'm kind of over it. Yeah, you know, I, I think – the flag football idea is good, but you know you brought up the the Tyler Huntley thing, the the fact that a guy that threw two touchdown passes is in, is in a Pro Bowl is just ridiculous. Yeah, how does he get in over Taylor Heineke? How does somebody somebody look me in the eyes and explain that one to me? Or just about any other quarterback in the AFC that did anything this season? Yeah, yeah. I mean, two no, touchdowns uh, is not Pro Bowl worthy. You know, is what it is. But, you know, another storyline that I want to get to is the New Orleans Pelicans dropping their 10th straight game last night. They've lost five of those games at home. Jake, is it time to worry about the Pelicans? Because just a month ago, they were tied for the top spot in the West. Well, yeah, and you know, again, you, you kind of got a little break coming up, but uh, you want to be playing your best ball toward the back half of the year. So I, it's not time to panic because of the time of year. The stretch that they've had, yes, and it is alarming that five of those games were at home, uh, you know, especially, uh, especially with the way the Pelicans had been playing at home before that. They just don't, they don't really seem to be in rhythm. They're not playing complimentary basketball. It seems like one night the offense will finally figure it out, but the defense isn't there. And another night uh, the offense, you know, or the defense will have a really good game. The offense isn't there. So it, it just seems like they can't put it all together, but there is time. Uh, and it's going to be a logjam over on that side of the conference. Before we get away from the NBA, Kyrie Irving asking to be traded today. Where do you think he ends up before the deadline on Thursday? 
Uh, man, I don't know. I just the Nets. It's like it's it's days of our lives over there. I mean, it's just an absolute soap opera. I mean, at, at what point? I'm just I'm kind of over it with Kyrie and Kevin Durant too. I mean, Kyrie's is just going to be his thirty third team. He's a hell of a player, uh, but it seems like you know in certain situations he just he struggles to play team ball with everybody else. It does does never work out well. Like with Kevin Durant, and then you put two toxic people on the same roster. And oh, let's add in Ben Simmons. Because we know he's just 100% legit. Like, he's going to be a great locker room guy. You might as well just add Kyler Murray and, and call it a day. But, uh, no, I, who knows right now. There's a contender that can really use him out there. It'll be interesting to see where he falls. Chatting with Jake Crane. You know, the Raiders now looking to, to move on from Derek Carr, letting him talk to other teams. Looking at the New Orleans Saints, Jake, you know, yet Andy Dalton this season – Obviously, you could probably re-sign him if you chose to. Is Derek Carr an upgrade? Over Andy Dalton? Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, it's kind of like trading in a, a Pinto for a Prius. Uh, I mean, yeah, you, yeah, it got better, but did it really? Uh, but here's the, here's the good news. Look around the division. Tom Brady's out at the Bucks. The Thank Panthers God. are kind of in flux. We'll see. The Falcons don't exactly inspire confidence right now in what they have, the way it, it ended up falling out with Marcus Mariota. I think Desmond Ritter is going to be a big-time answer there. And Kyle Pitts has, has you know, struggled to really kind of cement himself in the league. So if you're going to make a move like that and Michael Thomas comes back and, you know, I know I'm just living in, maybe living in fantasy land, but is able to figure it out, you have some nice young pieces uh, uh, there at, at wide receiver with Alave who's shown you he has the ability to do it. Uh, the defense still has some pieces. So, um, you know, Alvin Kamara would take a little bit of pressure off him, I think. The passing game would be better. Uh, maybe enough to win the division, but not enough to win the Super Bowl. What are your thoughts as an Auburn guy on Alabama hiring Tommy Reese today? Well, you know, it's like I said on the show, it, being an offensive coordinator for Nick Saban is kind of unique because of, you know, it's Nick Saban, and he has a system. You know, he, he, has a, he wants you to run your offense in certain parameters and a certain identity, and that doesn't have anything to do with play calling. I think Alabama got away from the run too quick uh, this year in a lot of games and ended up just one-dimensional. And, you know, if you can be one-dimensional and win as many games as they do, that's what happens when you have that type of talent. Uh, but, no, I, I think they're going to get back, back to running the ball a lot. Tommy Reese is a guy that's obviously going to do whatever Saban wants him to do if you look at where he is in his career and his age. So, you know, I, it's, again, it's like I said, I'm not going to question Nick Saban when it comes to hiring coordinators. There's some guys that have just earned the right for me not to question it. It's like I don't walk into one of Emerald's restaurants and be like, man, let me see the ingredients. I don't know. I don't trust it. He's earned the right for me to believe what goes in there is the right mix. So uh, regardless if it's an NFL guy, if it's a college guy, if it's a young guy, if it's an old guy, if it's a blind guy, if it's a deaf guy, uh, I trust Nick Saban to make the right hire. And lastly, Todd Grantham getting hired by the Saints earlier today. What are your thoughts on that move, and could he be the defensive coordinator for the Saints this year? Huh, surprise, it's a blitz. I mean, congrats. Wow. What, what, I got to tip my hat to the guy. I mean, you, you put yourself in a position that I didn't think you would be in after the way it went down at Florida, you know, and maybe the NFL is a better fit for him. I don't know. Some guys it is. He's obviously cut his teeth in college. But again, we saw Dennis Allen walking around uh, this week at the Senior Bowl. I just don't know if he's the guy. I, I just don't know if he's the guy that's going to be able to do it. Uh, regardless, you know of of some some pieces here or there. Oh, I've I've been saying that, Jake. I, I don't I don't yeah. think he's the right guy. But uh, 
we'll, we'll see what happens. Jake Crane, host of Crane & Company, joining us here on Crunch Time. Jake, what you guys got lined up next week? I oh, mean, it's a big week. Uh, we're getting ready to live stream the Super Bowl as well. Uh, got some great guests uh, coming up. Uh, you need to check us out, C-R-A-I-N and company on YouTube or go to the Daily Wire. Uh, talking all NFL, college football, college basketball, everything under the sun. And now we got the live call-ins, man. That's been a fun feature uh, that, that we started doing on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So uh, we're live in the morning from 6.30 to 8 a.m. Central, 7.30 to 9 a.m. Eastern. Come check us out. Jake Crane, appreciate you always, bud. We'll do it again next week. Hey, same here. Appreciate y'all. And there he goes, Jake Crane, the host of Crane and Company. A little later on here in hour number two, we're going to talk more college basketball. We're going to preview the Louisiana Raging Cajuns hosting Troy tomorrow for women's basketball, hosting Marshall for men's basketball. The Cajun Chicken's going to be in the building. And can LSU find a way to shock the college basketball world and beat Alabama at home. Maybe. Possibly. There's a reason you play, right? Because if you just decided games on paper, it'd be a lot less fun. There's a reason why you step in between the lines and play the game. Speaking of college basketball, we've, we've talked a lot the last couple of days about the Cajuns' win streak in men's basketball. Little little factoid for you before we take a timeout, James. Bob Marlin's team hasn't lost in 2023. Their last loss came on New Year's Eve. Yeah, and that was also LSU's last win. Oh, you see, you you just did that. <laughs> I mean, you you just went there. Two two streaks started on <laughs> as soon as we hit 2023. Cajuns have been on a win streak. LSU's been on the lose, losing streak. Why Why did you have to do that? Just had to relate. This guy, James Mesh. December 28th, 2022 was their last win. Yikes. So the Cajuns are undefeated in 2023, and the Tigers are, are winless. Defeated in 2023. <laughs> defeated. Oh, God, that's a... That's tough. They need a win so badly. Hey... If you do it against Alabama, you'll look really good. Gonna be like, what's going on? I don't understand. We're in the Matrix, bro. Is it's this just... is this February madness? Yes, yes, it is. We'll take Fr- a... February freak show. I don't know. We'll talk a time. We'll take a talk a timeout. We'll take a timeout, and when we return, we'll bring you audio from Cajuns basketball last night. Kim Mulkey and her team surviving a near upset in overtime last night. And James had to play guess the athlete with an NHL player today. We'll do all that next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you need help taking your lady out for Valentine's Day, the help you need can be found inside the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Join our rewards club to have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort, $50 to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville, $40 to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, and $25 to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score these great prizes, however, to help with Valentine's Day by joining the game clubhouse. How do you do it? 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Go sign up today. 
A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So, James had 20 questions to figure out the NHL player that I was thinking of. And it only took him 14. I'm very impressed, actually. You got it right. If you want to see how it went down, it's all on our social media channels. Go check it out. YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of them. Uh, If you're not following those, go do so. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Posting great original content there constantly. And just... You get to see us all the time. How, how do you how do you lose? So head to 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. Find our social media channels. Like, subscribe, follow, share, all the good stuff. Uh, we definitely want to bring you the best content in southwest Louisiana. But, you know, James, the fact that you had zero knowledge of the NHL, and you still narrowed it down. It was impressive. It was. Thank you. I'm going to give you your kudos. Um, I told you I wasn't going to give you a scrub. Correct. Damn near made it impossible. Um, I, I told you. Made that, it achievable. That I, I was going to give you a, a relevant player. If you pay attention to hockey, he's a relevant player at least. Um, I mean, the, the resume. He's only played in the league for three years, but the resume already speaks for itself. So, you know, uh, I'll spoil it here. The, the athlete was Kale McCarr, defenseman for the Colorado Avalanche. He's already won a Stanley Cup. He was the Rookie of the Year, two-time All-Star, was voted best defenseman in the league last year, and then was postseason MVP in 2022 as he helped lead the Colorado Avalanche to the Stanley Cup just last season. Good on him. I mean... The guy and, and he's done all of that at the ripe age of 24. So, oh, and his average annual salary, nine nine million dollars a year. Must, must be must be nice to know how to skate and shoot a frozen biscuit. Now there were a couple of blunders by each of us in that video. So yeah. to make it to make it a little more entertaining, we we ended up having a couple blunders. We'll we'll keep those a secret though because that's just funny. It's just One, good. Mine was really funny, but then also yours. It was like, really? It threw me for a loop. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I think I could have got it done faster, but then you, you, you threw me off. I, I threw you off. I, and I, I and it was unintentional. It's not like it was intentional. It was unintentional. It was unintentional. I, I just, I was like, yeah. I was like, I could have worded it better, but it was like, I thought it was a given what I was trying to ask. This guy. So, like I said, if you want to check that out, it's up on our social media channels. You can go check it out. The game hotline, 337-706-0111. And once again, here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast by going to Stadium 32.3 or Channel 133 if you have LUS Fiber. The men's basketball team for Louisiana winning their ninth straight game last night, 82-63 to over Texas State. Greg Williams, Jr., getting his fourth consecutive game with 20 or more points. He also joined the 1,000 Career Points Club last night, 539 of those points, coming in a Louisiana uniform. 
Following the win, Bob Marlin, Greg Williams Jr., and famous folks met with the media. Bob Marlin gave his thoughts on the win over Texas State. But this was a team effort. We knew we'd get a struggle, uh, or fight, I should say, for these guys, and it wasn't going to be easy. It was going to be a struggle. We talked about it getting halftime. We were disappointed. We let a 12-point halftime lead go down, and I think they outscored us maybe 10-2 to in the half. And the second half, we came out, got on them quick, uh, made some shots. Greg had a big dunk for us on, on the break, and things started to go our way. I thought our defense was good in the second half. They're a really tough, tenacious rebounding team. They're going to get some, but they whipped us on the glass tonight. And that's something we, we've got to work on. We also missed a few free throws that we planned to make. Uh, so we got to get better there. I thought we shot the three really good. I think we missed our last four. So we were at 70%. And Ken Trails won at the end of the half. We felt like it was going to go. It didn't. But uh, we hit some big ones. Joe hit a couple of big ones. Again, gave us a big boost. And we're just excited to get the win. and. and head upstairs in a minute and start focusing on Marshall. And also talked about his shooting guard from Lafayette, Greg Williams Jr., and hitting that illustrious milestone of 1,000 career points. Scored 1,000 on the dot, right? Was it on the dot? Needed 23. Yeah, I told Coach Murphy early in the game, Greg hit his first two, and I, I leaned over and I said, you have ordered a 1,000-point ball for Greg, right? because he's going to get it this weekend. I didn't know he'd get it tonight, but got, got it on the – hit the nail on the head. But he's been super. His leadership, uh, we, we're fortunate to have him, and, and I think he's really having fun. Greg Williams also spent some time talking about his own thoughts of joining the 1,000-point club. Uh, you know, I think it's just – it's a good thing to celebrate, you know, just being a part of that, that club, if you will. But, you know, I think – I'm more focused on winning a championship, so I think that's the that's the real goal ahead. The Cajuns had a goal going into 2020, the 2022-2023 season to be unbeaten at home. And so far, they are. They have stayed undefeated inside the Cajun Dome. Uh, not many teams have been able to protect their home floor as well as the Cajuns have so far this year. Bob Marlin talked about how important it is for this team to protect home court. Yeah, no, we need our, our crowd, absolutely. They, we need those our fans to come out and uh, be loud and, and cheer uh, the guys' feet off that. I mean, they can tell, and it, you know, it's been fun. I think anybody that comes to the game enjoys it. It's entertaining. Jay was just talking about the Marshall game and the way they like to play is the way we like to play. And They're talented and got size, and Saturday night could be really entertaining. Going to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns women's game now, they got the win over ULM just last night in a close contest that went wire to wire. The Cajuns winning 66-58 to in that one. Wild statistic in this game when you look at the box score. ULM went 2 of 6 from downtown. The Cajuns went 1 of 8. Only three three-pointers were made in the entire contest. 
the Cajuns needing only one three-pointer to help them get the job done. Four-player scoring in double figures, led by the 15 points from Alicia Blanton, 5 of 7 from the field. Following the win, head coach Gary Broadhead talked about the team's turnaround in the second half. Got a lot more aggressive. You know, I think we quit shooting the three and stuff. Uh, I think that's one of the things that we got to realize is when you need to shoot them and when not, and just get better at it. But, uh, no, I thought we... I thought down the stretch, especially the fourth quarter, uh, for us to be able to score and get to the line, shoot 80% from the line is pretty good for us. So I think that's the way to finish. And, you know, even though they scored, you know, they scored more in the 420, I thought, you know, we kind of were fouling maybe a little late. Uh, I know Tamara played a lot of minutes and stuff like that, and she's usually the one that gets in the way. And um, Ren was in foul trouble, so that kind of hurt us a little bit. But, I mean, you get a win. You, after scoring only 20 points in the first half, they rebounded for 46 in the second half to once again secure that win, 66-58. to 58. They will host a powerhouse in Sunbelt basketball in the Troy Trojans tomorrow at 2 o'clock inside the Cajun Dome. Kim Mulkey's LSU Tigers going to overtime last night before taking down Georgia 82-77 to 77 in a game that the Tigers never really could get a hold of. At halftime, they led 30-29. to They were outscored 26-20 to in the third quarter, had to put it away to tie the game in the fourth, outscoring them 16-11 to before outscoring Georgia 16-11 to yet again in the extra period. Angel Reese finishing with 23 points and a huge three-pointer from Alexis Morris was just enough for, in, for the team to seal the deal. Angel Reese was asked on her thoughts about getting 11 offensive rebounds in the contest. Yeah, it was just, I was just doing whatever I could. I don't think it was enough because I only had three defensive boards. So coach told me I needed to get more defensive boards. I know offensive boards, I can get those. But, I mean, we didn't shoot well tonight. So I'll just try to get as many rebounds as I could get to get second-chance opportunities. That was big. Because if was. you look at their offensive rebound numbers – 26. 26 offensive boards. Yeah, that I mean that kept them in the game. That and if you look at how many times they went to the charity stripe. 45 attempts made 28 of them. Yeah. That's that's, that's how they stayed in that game because they like Angela just said, they did not shoot well. They didn't. They they struggled all night long. I looked at Alexis Morris' store, scoring line while I was covering the Cajun men and I she was one for nine. I was like, "What? Since when has Alexis Morris had that poor of an offensive night?" But, you know, you look at the season now, 22-0, and still one of the top teams in college basketball. Kim Mulkey and Angel Reese were both asked, what has worked for you guys so far this year? They're talented players. Um, they allow me to coach them. They allow me to say things to them that might make other players just shrivel and, and, and go, oh, God, that's terrible. They understand things I say to them personally through motivating them that the average fan or person wouldn't understand. Um, I have their back, and uh, they're going to make mistakes. Uh, but if they know a coach has their back and is just trying to get the best out of them, those kind of teams excel. Now, she may have a different answer, but, you know, I, I, all of them, all of them just um, allow me to coach them. Yeah, I think um, within the 22 games, I mean, everyone has found a role within within the team, and I think we allow the coaches to coach us, and they let us allow us to play. 
we're just ballers. We're just hoopers. And I feel like we just come together as one at the right time. I mean, like she said, we can critique each other in a way where many others can't do. I mean, I've never been able to talk to teammates where they don't catch feelings or take it personal. So I think that's what makes us different from a lot of teams. And I think that's why we've gotten so far together. I mean, this is a gritty win, but I think we've done it together. Ballers and hoopers. That's all there is to it, man. 22-0, and 0, they host Texas A&M tomorrow. We'll take a timeout here. Russ Livingood of the Thundercast podcast joins us here on the game hotline. We're going to preview a monumental Sunbelt matchup. The top two candidates for Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year in Louisiana's Jordan Brown and Marshall's Tavion Kinsey going at it in the Cajun Dome. We'll talk about it all next. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just wash the hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. There's nothing better than in February and March when there's about eight college basketball games left on your schedule and games really start to matter even more than they already did. And when you get a matchup like this where it's a 19-5 and Marshall Thundering Herd and a 19-4 and Louisiana Raging Cajuns, there's just so much at stake here inside the Cajun Dome tomorrow night. Tavion Kinsey going up against... Jordan Brown, Russ Livingood of the Thundercast podcast joining us here on the game hotline to preview this colossal matchup. Russ, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing well. Thank you for having me back on the show. So, you know, talk about Marshall's season thus far, 19-5, and 8-3 and three in the Sun Belt. You slipped up to ULM 86-82, to 82, but, you know, Keith Richard's group up in Monroe has really had a strong season, at least in conference play. You know, what's been kind of your take on the season so far for the Herd? A couple of uh, games that we may have, uh, should have won, that we lost. Uh, We were in just about every game. Uh, We have had a couple of issues with rebounding has cost us some games or foul trouble putting our rebounders uh, on the the bench have have cost us. But uh, overall, great season and great turnaround from last year. And, you know, the the Herd have been led by Tavion Kinsey so far this season, averaging 21 points and almost six assists per game, shooting 54% from the field on his own. Talk about what his play has meant for this group to be, you know, 18th in the country in scoring. Oh, yeah, he is an all-time great here at Marshall already uh, as his career winds down. Uh, The only person, if I get this stat correct, that has uh, uh, top 10 in points and assists in the nation. He is uh, a leader on the court. He can take over at times, and uh, he has this season, and he just continues to grow. He's meant a lot to the team and uh, uh, kind of a leader on the court. You know, looking at this matchup, again, you know, this time of year where where games seem to mean more than, than they have, you know, you look at this matchup, and if Marshall is able to beat Louisiana inside the Cajun Dome, it really shakes things up in the conference standings because Marshall's only a game behind the Cajuns. 
Yeah, that would put us, uh, if I'm thinking about this correctly, uh, and you can correct me, you know your schedule a little more, but I believe after this game you uh, you play Southern Miss next correct. week. Uh, and those three teams are now all, uh, whoever wins these next couple of games could be in the driver's seat due to tiebreakers and such if, uh, if they win out after these games are played. So this is a very crucial game for Marshall, a very crucial game for Louisiana. And uh, then again, Southern Miss also tied with you guys right now and uh, a game coming up with them just around the corner. You know, looking at Marshall just a little bit further, what's really stood out about, you know, obviously we talked about Tavion Kinsey and the job that he's been able to do. What else has stood out to you about the herd and the way that they've played this year? Well, Kinsey gets a lot of the press, but they are a great team uh, that is team-oriented. If someone is having an off night, someone else seems to step up. Their backcourt of the three guards, including Kinsey, average right at 53 points a game. Uh, Andrew Taylor is just under the 20-point mark at 19.3. They average 18 assists as a team per game. We have one of the uh, nation's leading shot blockers in true freshman Micah Hanlogton, and uh, we have a dangerous uh, – Three-point specialist in Camden Kerfman. We uh, we just seem to have a pretty balanced team with uh, some young players uh, helping out to make it team ball. Now, you you looking at the two centers? You just talked about them, Garan Mildanovich and then Micah Handelgren. Is you you know looking at the looking at. Meldonovic, he's a seven-foot junior from Montenegro, and then you talked about Micah being one of the top shot blockers in the country so far this year. What's it been like to have you know two twin towers down there really just roaming the paint defensively? Well, Micah is our starter, and uh, he is uh, putting up 25 uh, minutes a game, and uh, Goran is only getting about six minutes a game and has only played uh, less than half of our games. He does, when he comes in off the bench, if there is foul trouble, gives us an immediate presence. Again, he's uh, thicker, bigger, been around uh, you know, in college weight program uh, a lot longer than Micah. Uh, so it's great to bring that person in off of the bench, but their games are very, very different, whereas Gordon is more of a finesse player and uh, Micah is uh, very aggressive on rebounds and block shots. Uh, it's but we haven't had that in a long time to have two different seven footers on there. So it's it's uh, the length on this team though is uh, is amazing even in the backcourt. You know that was going to be my next question, Russ. How how the hell do you stop a seven foot one center? Well, uh, foul trouble has done that more than anything, uh, and I. Sometimes, you know how fans are, we, we don't think that our player ever makes a foul, right? It's the rest problem. But uh, it, it has been a, an issue at times uh, when he's on the bench or if he's in foul trouble, he cannot be as aggressive on the blocks. So that's one way. Uh, another way is just deny him by blocking him out. He's a, uh, a true freshman, and he might not have as big a body as uh, an upperclassman that has again been around for a while but we have length everywhere uh you know six eight six nine playing uh small forward and and sometimes point forward uh we just have a kind of a long team and i 
feel like that's helped us a lot with uh, being a leading rebounder in the Sun Belt Conference this year. Talk about the job that the Dan D'Antoni has been able to do at Marshall since two, 2014. I love it. Uh, I am from Southern West Virginia, and uh, he was a legend there in Southern West Virginia, also a legend at Marshall in Marshall Hall of Fame. I love the style of play. Uh, it, a lot of people that don't understand it maybe thinks that it's just a kind of playground ball but it's, uh, he's deeply rooted in analytics, and a lot of that comes with, uh, if you've heard his famous uh, press conference uh, answer about the corner three being the best shot in basketball and giving the analytics reasons why. So there's a little bit of, uh, or a lot actually, of uh, planned nature to this chaos. But it's up-tempo, it's exciting basketball. Uh, you'll see a... a not a lot left on, or not a lot taking off of the shot clock when Marshall has the ball, and should be a lot of full court press to try to slow down the other team. So, so it's an exciting brand of ball. So you know, I, I've watched a good bit of Marshall this year, and you know, Dan D'Antoni being the head coach, Mike D'Antoni is obviously known for the the run and gun, seven seconds or less offense. So mm-hmm. and and it seems like Dan runs a very similar style. Talk about the conditioning that this team has to have in order to be able to play that style of ball for 40 minutes every night. You know, I'm not sure. I don't watch a lot of other teams, but I'm not sure without checking stats that any other team in America would have three players averaging more than 35 minutes a game. And we do. We have uh, all three of our guards do that. So you have to be in great shape to play in uh, in this uh press and then quick uh, run-and-gun style, and they have that. Uh, it's routine that you'll see Kenzie go 40 minutes. Uh, he, if he's not in foul trouble, he'll be out there most of the time. Same with Andrew Taylor. Cam Kerfman is right under them as well. Conditioning is great. Uh, we only generally rotate around seven uh, players. Uh, if foul trouble or injuries or things like that, we'll get into eight every now and then nine um, but you have got to be in great shape for that, and we have seemingly plenty of that. Ross Living, Russ Living Good of the Thundercast podcast joining us here on Crunch Time. Russ, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy the game tomorrow night, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Yes, sir. Best of luck for you guys, and thanks for having me on. And there he goes, Russ Living Good, the host of the Thundercast podcast you know looking at Marshall Dan D'Antoni the the relationship James is obviously he is the older brother of Mike D'Antoni who has had a great NBA career again the pioneer of, of the seven seconds or less offense what I'm wondering is you know Mike's not coaching anywhere right now so does Dan just kind of call up his brother every now and like hey man you know what what do you think about this what what do you you, do you think this would work? You know, do you, do you think this wouldn't work? It's got to be super helpful to have a, a brother that has had as much success, if not more success, than you have had to just kind of bounce ideas off of. Oh yeah, when you got two brothers that are working in the same pretty much field, yeah, always being able to bounce ideas off of each other, and then vice and then vice versa. I'm sure Mike calls him every now and again, like, hey, you know, what do you, what do you think about this? Do you think this would work? Or do you think I should stay away from this? Things like that. So pretty cool 
to uh, to see a D'Antoni in the Cajun Dome tomorrow night. The Cajun Chicken returning to the sidelines for the first time in over 20 years. Uh, he will be on the sidelines tomorrow night, bringing back all of your favorite skits from Michael Jackson, Elvis, the defense drum, everything in between. They're selling T-shirts tomorrow night, James, with the chicken on them. Oof, man. Oh, None, nothing like a good t-shirt, am I right? Nothing like a good t-shirt. A free t-shirt is better, but you know, if, if you if you got to swipe the card, it's for a good cause. I'm all for it. We will take one final timeout. When we return, we'll give you the things to watch this weekend, from the Pro Bowl to some NASCAR. Rubbing is racing, baby. We'll talk about it all next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's another two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. Today, score a $50 voucher to the Golf Connection for only $25. $50 for half the price. And I have heard from a little birdie. that there, I see what I did there. Golf birdie. Haha. <laughs> There's less than 25 of these vouchers remaining, so you have to get your hands on it right now by visiting AcadianaDeals.com to score $50 to the Golf Connection for only 25 bucks. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans, Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, things to watch this weekend. James, who will start tonight? The NHL All-Star Game Skills Competition. Fastest skater, hardest shot, best breakaway. They're going to play some outdoor games, which I don't know what that entails, but... It's going to be fun. We're playing street hockey? The hardest shot, I, I think the record still stands like 109 miles an hour. Holy moly. Could you imagine? I, I don't care how much padding a goalie wears. Could you imagine a frozen piece of rubber coming at you at 109 miles an hour? Yikes. That'd be scary. That is, oh, man. Nah. That, and there's a reason I'm not a goalie. Well, there's a lot of, there's well, a lot of reasons. Well, yes. I'm not fast. I'm hardly strong. There's, there's a ton of reasons. <laughs> but... Also, this weekend, you've got the Pro Bowl or the Slow Bowl. I don't know. 50-yard field. They're going to play flag football. It's going to be... I still can't believe the call. It's, it was the right call. Everybody needs to chill out with that. Stop having that be a rule. The rules of dodgeball, you cannot hit somebody Get above rid. the shoulders. Get rid of that rule. You cannot hit above the shoulders. Don't let it hit you. The whole point of the game. Oh my God! Don't no. let it hit you. It's that, a, it's it's a that foam has been, ball. That has been a. It is not a foam ball. What what dodgeball have you played? A lot. Dodgeballs are hard. They're not that hard. Regardless, that has been a rule since dodgeball was invented. Mm-mm-mm. That's you get that's hit a, in the face, you're out. The person a, that threw it is out. That's a loser rule. Been the rule since the beginning of time, and nobody's contested it. It was the right call. It's a disgrace. Don't hit him in the face. It's a disgrace to the game. Don't hit him in the face. Don't let it hit you in the face. Well, maybe, but 
if you hit somebody in the face, you're disqualified. That's the rule. Just like in boxing. You, you, there's no low blows in boxing. It's the same thing. It's the exact same concept. Also, this weekend, NASCAR returns with the clash at the Coliseum in Los Angeles. You know, the Los Angeles Coliseum, famous for the Olympics. USC plays their home games there. They stuck a quarter-mile NASCAR track in there. That's going to be fun. Could you imagine 40 cars trying to ride on a quarter-mile track? Gets tight. Things get interesting. It's going to be fun. And then in two weeks is the greatest spectacle in NASCAR, the Daytona 500. You also got the Super Bowl next Sunday and much more. Next week, star-studded lineup of guests here on Crunch Time getting ready for Super Bowl 57 between the Eagles and the Chiefs. Got some weird game. It's called Super Bowl or something. I don't yeah, know. you know, they, they play it once a year. There's a there's a concert in the middle. It's I don't know. People care about the commercials for a, some reason. There, there's a silver trophy made by some major jewelry company. What's that name? Tiffany? Um, you know, it's just... Why not Stephanie? Like right, like it's 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 really not a big deal. <laughs> like how big is that bowl? What makes I mean, it so it's, super? It's pretty super. What makes it so super? Oh my god! Thanks to our guests today, Jim Gazzolo, Ben Upton, Jake Crane, and Russ Livingood. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. Have one hell of a weekend. Eat some crawfish. I know I'm going to. And we will be back on Monday, same time, 4 to 6, and the same station, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.